Welcome to Stony Brook Church on this, uh, on this day where we begin Holy Week with our Palm and Passion Sunday. It is good to be in worship with you today. I am Pastor Jennifer Casey. I bring you greetings on behalf of our senior pastor, Pastor David Hoffman, along with our pastor emeritus, Pastor Bob Thomas. As we begin our time together, you will find a connection card in your bulletin packet or online at stonybrook.church. I invite you to uh, fill this out as it is a way for you to share that you were in worship with us today. It's also a place where you can share any joys or concerns you may have with our prayer team. And then on the back, you'll find some opportunities to engage in some uh, ministries of Stony Brook Church as well. You can drop that in the offering plate uh, or fill it out uh, online at some point during the worship service. Uh, as I mentioned, today is the start of this uh, holiest of weeks for us uh, in our Christian year. Uh, so I just wanted to draw your attention to some special worship services uh, that we have as we remember uh, the events of this week. Our Holy Thursday service will be on Thursday at 7 p.m. here in the sanctuary, or you can worship online uh, via our live stream through Facebook or YouTube. Our Good Friday service will be Friday at noon uh, in Wesley Hall, also on uh, live streamed on Facebook or YouTube. And then next Sunday, which is Easter Sunday, as we celebrate the resurrection of Christ, we will have a sunrise service at 6.30 a.m. across the street at the Fisher's Barn. If you need more information um, about where exactly that is, just grab somebody on the staff and we'll help you with that, or you can call the church office. We will have an 8 a.m. traditional worship service a 9.30 a.m. traditional worship service uh, that will also be online, and an 11 a.m. contemporary worship service, which will also be online. So we hope that you are able to join us um, in any of those ways for our worship services on this holiest of weeks. A Kairos weekend at Marion Correctional is uh, in the works for April, and the prison ministry team is looking for you to help support this important ministry of Stony Brook. Uh, they're looking for prayers and for people to help bake cookies. If you would like to bake cookies for this ministry, uh, you can bring your cookies back in between now and next Sunday. You'll find all of the instructions on how to make the cookies in your bulletin packet or um, through your weekly electronic announcements that you receive uh, from the church. If you have any questions, you can contact Gary Weaver and he will um, help you with any of your questions. Our next Primetimers Lunch and Learn will be on Wednesday, April 20th, and you will have an opportunity to hear the gospel come alive through a guest speaker who will be enacting the words of the Apostle Paul. A light lunch will be served at 1130, and then the, um, the speaker will start the presentation at noon. You can sign up for that on the back of your connection card or reach out to Bill Barter with any questions. And then yesterday was an exciting day in the ministry of Stony Brook Church where we had our children's 
extravaganza, Easter egg hunt, where the children got to come and learn about the Easter story and the resurrection of Jesus. We had uh, 126 kids uh, from 61 different families here at Stony Brook yesterday. Um, we had about 80 people coming through the different activity rotations every 45 minutes. And so it was a good day where our children got to uh, hear the story, go on an Easter egg hunt and do some crafts and some other uh, fun things to help tell the Easter story. And so we are thankful for all of the ways that you have supported this ministry from those who stuffed eggs ahead of time and to those who uh, came and served yesterday to make this uh, event um, special for our children. You can find all of the information that I have shared and so much more about the mission and ministries of Stony Brook Church uh, in your bulletin packet or online at stonybrook.church. I invite you now to quiet your hearts and your minds as our prelude helps to prepare us for worship.
After he had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he had come near Bethphage and Bethany at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it, just say, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They said, the Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing cloaks on the colt, they sat Jesus on it. And as he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered them, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. We are invited to remain seated as the choirs process in. You're invited to join together singing on the first stanza of the hymn as it's projected for us.
Thank you for telling um, the story in, in song. Let us pray. Thou who art over us, thou who art one of us, thou who simply art, give each of us a pure heart that we may see thee, a humble heart that we may hear thee, a heart of love that we may serve thee, and most of all, a heart of faith that we may always abide in thee. This is our hope. This is our prayer this day. Amen. Friends, during the week, we can be pulled in so many different directions. Ups and downs, unexpected twists and turns make up our lives. And we turn to Sunday morning and worship as a chance to find the calm center of our lives. Now that may be true on most Sundays, but that's not how it works today. On Palm Passion Sunday, in fact, it's just the opposite Palm Passion Sunday starts with the bright lights of celebration and ends with the dark cast of death and despair. Here at the outset of Holy Week, we begin worship with hosannas and palm branches, but leave staring straight at the cross, probably with more questions than answers. Jesus had been traveling to Jerusalem, and it had been a long, strange trip. Crowds gathered by the thousands. Luke says Jesus went through town, one town and village after another, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. And that pretty much summarizes the whole trip. The teaching that he did along the way included some of his most familiar stories. It had been a long and arduous journey. And Jesus finally entered Jerusalem, and yet some things seemed out of place. What the crowds were witnessing and experiencing just did not add up. At first, they didn't understand what was taking place. First, we have Jesus riding on a donkey. Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a colt that had never been ridden before. Entrance processions of victorious kings and military leaders were not an uncommon sight, and people knew what to expect. This day was different. A Roman leader would have ridden in a chariot pulled by magnificent white stallions, but, but this was different. Jesus entered Jerusalem on a donkey and a borrowed one at that. Next, a political leader entering a city would have been surrounded by security guards to keep the crowds from close physical contact. Instead, Jesus was surrounded by his disciples representing the many walks of life and he rode right into the midst of his people. Next, a military leader would have galloped along the road, passing the crowd with perhaps a wave of the hand or, or a nod of the head if there was any recognition at all. 
But Jesus, on a donkey, moved slowly through the gathered crowd. This day was different. Also, religious leaders in traditional, appropriately priestly robes would have moved steadily through the crowd, surrounded by an orderly contingent of various spiritual leaders who would have prevented anyone unclean from touching him. But Jesus, dressed in his usual, everyday attire, moved humbly through the crowds, surrounded by his band of disciples, not shrinking from the touch of anyone. Can you imagine the scene? What Jesus did in entering the city was to make a statement. It was kind of a a visual parable. In Hebrew tradition, animals never before used were employed for sacred purposes. Jesus rode on a colt that had never been ridden. He rode not on a war horse, but rather on a donkey. This image comes from the prophet Zechariah. Rejoice greatly, O daughter Zion. Shout aloud, O, O daughter Jerusalem. Lo, your king comes to you, triumphant and victorious is he, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fall of a donkey. He will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem. The battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall command peace to the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to sea, from the river to the ends of the earth. Jesus was a king who came in humility and a king who challenged the way of violence. He was a king who came in the name of peace. And the crowds, the crowds responded As he he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks out on the road. Now understand that these were not the sorts of people who had closets full of clothes. These were people who didn't have clothing to spare. These were people who had little more than the clothes on their backs. The spreading of the garments on, on the road was a sign of acclamation. And Luke describes a multitude of disciples and that their song evoked the multitude of the heavenly host. It it was a song that could not be quieted. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. The angels cry at Jesus' birth, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill to all people, was not merely a, a birth announcement, but a vision, a vision that guided Jesus' whole life. The king, the king who came humbly on a donkey, who came in peace, received the crowd's acclaim. There was a whole multitude of followers. There was excitement. There was expectation. And maybe, just maybe, they imagined to themselves that Jesus, Jesus might pull this off. 
Perhaps he will cut off the chariot and, and the war horse. Perhaps Jesus will drive out the Romans. Perhaps he will usher in a new kingdom. Those were their expectations. And there was a fragile hope that day. A fragile hope that, that filled the air. Their, their imaginations ran with this hope. And only a few days later, on, on their way home from Jerusalem, they would say to one another, but we had hoped. We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. And in time, in time he would. His kingdom was breaking in. But it was not the kind of kingdom that people wanted nor expected. And because of these unmet expectations, there was trouble, trouble brewing on the horizon. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, whose most significant moments of triumph happen on the back of a donkey and nailed to a humiliating cross, we gather to prepare the way for you in our lives and in your world. There are so many people and things that call for our allegiance, so many kings seeking to rule over us. But you ride into our experience as another kind of king, a serving, humble, and challenging king who calls us not to slavery but to friendship. Oh God, there are so many things that seek our energy and resources for their own sake. So many kingdoms asking for our souls for their own glory. But you ride into our experience, heralding another kind of kingdom. A kingdom where the least are the greatest. Where the meek inherit the earth. And where children are the best example of citizenship. A kingdom which seeks to bring life, not drain it. Oh God, there are so many things that draw our attention, so many realities that seek our faith and acceptance. But you ride into our experience. You ride into our experience, revealing another kind of reality a reality where death does not have the last word, a reality where pride and selfishness, violence and evil are defeated by love and self-giving, a reality that does not parade itself for all to see, but fills every moment, every situation, and everything with life while waiting for us to discover it. And so, oh God, this day, 
This day we cry from our hearts, Hosanna, save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, waiting, just waiting for your kingdom to break through on earth as it is in heaven. And now, oh God, listen, listen and have patience with us as we are bold to practice the prayer that you have taught us, praying together, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.
He came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. Pray that you may not come into the time of trial. Then he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down, and prayed, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will but yours be done. Then an angel from heaven appeared to him and gave him strength. In his anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down on the ground. When he got up from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping because of grief. And he said to them, Why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. While he was still speaking, suddenly a crowd came, and the one called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus said to him, Judas, is it with a kiss that you are betraying the Son of Man? When those who were around him saw what was coming, they asked, Lord, should we strike with a sword? Then one of them struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. The full Passion Liturgy from the Gospel of Luke is 113 verses long. That's 113 verses to sum up the end of Jesus' life. The sharing of a last meal with his disciples, the institution of the Lord's Supper, his announcement that one of his friends would betray him, and their denial of this reality. 113 verses that included Jesus' preparation for what was to come, taking his disciples with him, going to the Mount of Olives to pray, asking them to join him in prayer, and then reacting as he found his friends asleep. 113 verses telling of Judas's betrayal, Jesus' arrest and Peter cutting off the ear of the slave. 113 verses describing Peter's denial of knowing Jesus and then his realization of what he had done. Jesus' mocking, his beating, and his trial. 113 verses to unfold the walk to the crucifixion site, the hanging, and his crying out to God. 113 verses to his last breath. 113 verses. I listened to a podcast recently with Krista Tippett from On Being, interviewing the poet Mary Oliver. Oliver, now deceased, spent much of her adult life in Provincetown, Massachusetts, 
wandering the land and writing her poetry. It was her observation of the natural world which provided her fodder for her beautiful poems. She is one of my favorite poets. Oliver shared in this interview the importance of paying attention. She went on to say, it's not enough to just observe what is happening and then to report on it. One must also have empathy while observing. Empathy adds dimension and richness and texture, nuance and fullness to what one is observing. Without empathy, it is simply a report of information void of emotion or heart. If we read the passion story without empathy, it simply becomes a short reporting of the end of Jesus's life. Empathy is an understanding of how another feels. It is a recognition that we too have experienced the same emotions. Empathy is what helps to connect us to one another. It's what makes us human. Empathy is not judgment. It's easy for us to read the passion story and to judge, to judge the actions of Judas, of Peter, of the crowd, to judge the behaviors of the religious authorities and of Pilate. Judgment of others creates a barrier for us to really reflect on how we may be similar to the other. Judgment leaves us believing we are somehow superior. We aren't. We are Judas and Peter and the crowd and the religious authorities and Pilate. We can pay attention to this story through the lens of empathy and receive the gifts which come with it, a textured story of God filled with the rough and the smooth, the bumpy and the jagged, the silky and the soft fabric of what it means to be human and to be loved by a gracious and giving God, a God who very literally gave of his life. It's one thing for us to pay attention when life is calm, and even then it can be difficult as we get caught up in the demands on our time and energy. But when events are moving quickly and emotions are strong and fear is present, it can be especially difficult to observe. I wonder how long it took for the disciples to notice the invitation from Jesus the invitation to join him for supper, the invitation into remembering him, the encouragement of them to join him in the garden, and the request of them to unite with him in prayer. Were they attentive to the subtle way that Jesus was calling them into the process of living? Really living? even in the messiness, the roughness, and the rawness of life? Did they observe the way that God doesn't turn around and run away when life gets hard? 
Did they see that God stays put and stays present and amidst the angst and the fear, God can offer healing and hope? The Mary Oliver interview that I listened to is titled, I Was Saved by the Beauty of the World. Oliver shared that her childhood was marred by abuse and brokenness. She shared that it was very painful, and she credits her escape into the natural world with saving her life. Spending hours wandering the land around her childhood home and being sensitive enough to pay deep attention to the world around her, she was able to find healing through the beauty. 113 verses to sum up the last 24 hours of Jesus' life. The reporting of it cannot possibly capture all of the details and all of the drama. And it doesn't need to. With empathy, we can read the story and feel the nuances, the shading, and the textures which are present. With empathy, we can see the ways that Jesus points to God always points to God, no matter what the circumstance. With empathy, we can hear the way Jesus invites us into living, really living, not just a passing of time, but genuinely engaging with one another, loving each other deeply, and seeing the beauty present all around us. With empathy we can experience the contours, the silhouettes, and the shapes of life. And we don't need to be afraid. It's through this striking, diverse, and varied ways that God calls each of us into life that we, too, can be saved by the beauty of the world. One hundred and 13 verses to sum up the end of a life which cannot be summed up. 113 verses. Amen. It is through all of the ways that you offer yourself to the mission and ministries of Stony Brook Church through the ways that you serve, to the financial gifts that you give that allow this church to be a beautiful, brilliant, woven tapestry of love of God's kingdom, representative of God's kingdom for the world. We are grateful for all of the ways that you offer yourself to God through Stony Brook Church. Will the ushers wait upon us as we offer our financial gifts to God?
this week for the gift of being able to remember all that you sacrificed for us. It is with this uh, gratitude of thanksgiving that we offer all of who we are and we offer these gifts back to you. Use them, bless them, multiply them, use us to move these gifts throughout this community and beyond and for all that come to receive them to know of your grace in their lives. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. This week has just begun. We invite you to the many opportunities to experience the last week of Jesus' life and worship, and at least study. We invite you to read with empathy those 113 verses so that we may understand the gift of life that has been given to us. I invite us to go in God's care, knowing that God goes with us. Amen.